for our business to get through to the other side. I'm really not sure where to go from here. But what does all this mean for my flight school? So much has changed, but what's the new normal going to look like? Questions, questions, questions. Right now, we all have a million. Welcome to Grounded, a podcast where we get to dive into what is actually going on for the Australian general aviation industry and try and aviate, navigate and communicate our way through. I'm Angela Stevenson and this is the first of a series of podcasts for rightspeakfly.com. Please join in and have your say afterwards by leaving your comments online. The whole point of this podcast is to get our community and industry talking and collaborating because, as Jeff Bezos once pointed out, in times of crisis, complaining isn't a strategy. In the current COVID-19 crisis, it is painfully apparent that general aviation, like many industries in Australia, faces headwinds like never before. Unlike some other industries, even in normal times, GA appears to operate tenuously at best – and generally does not appear to be resilient in times of crisis. Today, my guest, not in the cockpit, but on the phone, because social distancing, you know, is Andrew Smith, Managing Director of Warnervale Air, a New South Wales Central Coast flight school, charter operation and maintenance facility. We'll be discussing how the impacts of the pandemic are affecting his operation, the fragility of the industry, the government assistance offered so far, and what he sees as possible positive outcomes. Andrew will then put some questions to you and you can answer those in the podcast comments section at rightspeakfly.com or bring up new questions for next week's podcast when I'll be chatting with RAO's CEO, Michael Monk. So, have you done all your run-ups and line-up checks, hatches and harnesses? And good afternoon, Andrew. Throttle up. Let's get this conversation in the air. Andrew, can you describe what you have observed within GA as a result of this disruption? What what parts of GA have been disrupted the most and why? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, thanks for having me on, Angela. Um, The the federal and and New South Wales state governments have made a series of advices and public health orders, which are sometimes difficult to interpret, um, which is understandable given the widely disparate industries that they need to address. Um, aviation operators have needed to interpret the new and ever-expanding rule set whilst balancing the need to contribute to the slowing of the spread of this COVID-19 virus, but, but also with the need to prevent their businesses from failing with the, the loss of jobs that would entail. So um, thus the, the disruption has varied depending on how operators have interpreted the rules, really. Um, I know of many operators myself who have continued much the same, much the same as before this crisis started. Um, albeit no doubt with increased hygiene procedures and others who have completely shut the doors um, altogether. So, for example, at the Central Coast Aero Club, um, which I run, we have decided to prohibit all dual flying, reasoning that the close proximity of the instructor and student creates too strong a risk for both of those parties. Mm -hmm. Uh, And additionally, really, under workplace legislation, we we have an um, unambiguous duty of care to our staff. So... um, it's hard, uh, financially very, very difficult. So all our dual training flights have been severely affected. The solo flights and private hire had, at least until a week or so ago, continued much as before. But New South Wales now introduced a partial lockdown, which is making it difficult for people to leave the house um, for any but uh, very strong reasons. So our private hire has dropped right off. So our sort of income streams have more or less evaporated, unfortunately. As 
CEO of a private air charter operation and flying school. How do you think GA will change uh, as a result of this disruption? What, what do you think are the main things that, that, that will drive GA forward from this point? Yeah, well, so people have to think outside the box a little. So we're at the, at the Aero Club and the Flying School at Warnervale uh, busy putting together an online theory package. Um, we've traditionally run in-house classes mm-hmm. at the Flying School, um, so we're, we, we hope to have these new theory, online theory courses available within a couple of weeks. Um, this crisis really forced us all to think outside the box and look for new or changed revenue streams. In today's connected world, you could argue that traditional schoolroom-style classes or group lectures are not really needed with the multitude of video, video conferencing and team productivity software packages available to businesses. So once this is all over, I foresee that we will probably move back to on-site classes, but this will probably be supplemented more and more with our soon-to-be-released online courses. So I foresee that businesses will inevitably run more efficiently after COVID has run its course, uh, with many aspects of the business having been changed to accommodate the dire situation we are now in order to survive. Mm -hmm. There will inevitably be decisions made around whether we really need to roster a ground theory instructor, for example, all day on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. It can be done online at a time of the student's choosing. So it's um, more financially beneficial to the Aero Club, but also um, it's great for the student because they then can choose to study at, at a time that suits them rather than having to conform to our schedules. So I guess to summarise, I think that there's a silver lining to everything, but and I think the one good aspect of this crisis will be the forced realisation of new efficiencies for many businesses, and GA is included in that. So, so looking at, at the response so far, um, what beyond that government assistance already offered to businesses generally do you believe would be appropriate at this time for GA? Is it something that, um, that you think has gone far enough or do you think it should go further and in, in what ways? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the government has responded, um, I guess, quite well in that um, the, the, the financial assistance packages that have come out um, have been fairly far-reaching. Um, it, it's a huge amount of money that the, the government splashed into the economy to try and keep things going. Um, so the, on the financial side, it, it's been great. Um, when you look at the financial packages have been targeted to the aviation industry, however, they tend to be generally um, a reduction of taxes and things of that nature, which don't help if the aircraft aren't flying in the first place. So um, we see that um, you know there's a, a fuel excise uh, reduction, for example, but if our fleet are completely grounded and we're not flying at all, it's just a cost that we're not having to um, pay, if you like, and it's sure. not it's not helping us uh, in the short term. So mm. um, it, I think to, to stave off bankruptcy for some companies, you really need to be looking at some form of direct financial assistance rather than a reduction in costs. So looking at that, the government's provided assistance across, as you say, a range of businesses. It hasn't entirely targeted general aviation. I believe the package is, is part of this, uh, part of the, the broader package for aviation. Um, so what is it about GA? It's different from, say, the hospitality industry. And why should this matter? Should it be treated to, differently to other industries in terms of government assistance? 
Yeah, look, it's a great question. I mean, GA is quite fragile in that um, we're, first of all, we're uniquely tied to a specific location. So um, a GA operation has to be located or co-located at an airport. Mm. Uh, airports are few and far between. Um, they're under constant pressure these days, especially due to perceived noise issues from the population surrounding them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are usually, and I can speak to this um, uh, fairly accurately because we've had an ongoing struggle at the airport where I operate um, with a local interest group um, who have tried to create a lot of hassle uh, for the, the operators at the airport and they're essentially trying to get shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not unique, unfortunately, there. I'm sure just about every airport has a similar problem. Um, and there are also spiralling land values, etc., especially on the eastern seaboard um, of, of um, Australia. So um, the airports that used to be um, not overly valuable are becoming more and more valuable as land values spiral. Uh, we're putting a lot of pressure on them. So most other industries can choose to operate where they like. There's masses of industrial and commercial zoned land out there, um, but we're tied specifically to one location. So if those airports disappear, it has a, a huge effect, tragic effect on general aviation. That's a real knock-on effect. Yeah, absolutely. It really it really is. And, um, you know, you might have airports that are uh, several hundred kilometres apart. So... Um, especially once you go out, out west somewhere, um, you, you'll have two or three towns that are serviced by an airport and then if that airport goes, these people are going to have to drive hundreds of kilometres to go and uh, get a charter flight or have their flying lesson or what have you. Um, whereas, uh, you know, if you own a cafe, um, you can open, open up next door if, if, if one place closes. So we're sort of geographically constrained that way. But also there's very high cost of maintenance and, and the ageing aircraft issues out there. Cost of a new aircraft is not realistic for most um, general aviation operators. They're just sim- the costs are just simply too high. Um, but the cost of maintaining these older aircraft safely is also very, very high. So um, the, the, the fixed costs to the gen- general aviation businesses out there, I would argue, are probably a lot higher than many other industries. Um, and then we also have, of course, the cost of compliance with regulation. So, um, you know, the local kitchen builder or cafe owner doesn't have to have voluminous sort of ops manuals, operations manuals and expositions they have to adhere to, uh, which can change at the whim of the regulator. So they need rewriting constantly and often need um, hiring of new staff for new positions that are required, etc. Um, all of these, when you put them all together, mean that the, the general aviation industry is, is, is quite fragile. Um, and if revenue and, and cash flow is reduced markedly, um, these businesses can fall over very quickly, unfortunately. Talking about that connectedness, uh, the, the nature of general aviation and the fragile connectedness that we have, you mentioned maintenance organisations. So if your usual maintenance organisation goes under because of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, if they do not survive, that then means a significant difference in your business. Um, is, that, is that how you're seeing it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, the, the maintenance side of, of things is super critical from a safety perspective, but also to keep keep the cash flow going because if we don't have a, a maintenance operation or haven't ac- got access to a maintenance operation, um, obviously the, um, the aircraft would not be able to fly anymore, so the, the entire income stream evaporates. So um, if uh, our maintenance outfit, for example, were to fall over, uh, and financially we couldn't maintain them anymore 
that would mean that we'd have to get our aircraft maintained off-site. Um, and small issues that can often be rectified very, very quickly by a quick walk over to the maintenance hangar uh, would then have to wait for somebody to arrive from another airport with the required gear to fix the aircraft. So um, it would have a huge impact on our ability to operate. It's not like having a cafe where, as you say, if, if one of your suppliers goes down, the supplier of your alcohol, you just walk around the corner and find a different one. It's yeah. not like that. So just following up on that, um, and perhaps in hindsight now that we've been through the first uh, couple of months of this pandemic and the first couple of months of the, the crisis that has occurred within all industries in Australia, what perhaps in hindsight can aviation organisations and the industry as a whole to to work on preventing this fragile state or collapse again? Is there anything that you can see instantly that we could be doing better? Well, I, look, I, I, I guess I touched on the fact that um, we could use uh, the online providers out there, so video conferencing, etc., to to go online for our theory courses and, and that sort of component. I mean, the theory component is a large part of flight training syllabus, obviously. So um, that part of it we could do better, I would imagine. Um, there's a lot of operators out there who, like us, do a lot of face-to-face tuition. Um, so having set up for online tuition would, would be a big help. Unfortunately, of course, we can't go online to teach someone how to fly an aircraft. Okay, so uh, we're still tied to being, able to, to being um, stuck in the aeroplane um, to do the teaching. Um, and that is a difficult one to overcome because with an infectious disease like COVID, for example, um, you just simply can't sit next to someone um, for extended period of time. I mean, imagine if this had been rather than a sort of two or three percent mortality rate; it was more like sixty percent. Uh, I think every operator on the on the planet would be forced to shut the doors. Um, uh, so it's a difficult one to get around that. But uh, I think the other thing is probably more. Uh, cooperation between general aviation providers to help each other in times of need. Um, we are fortunate in that we have a very good relationship with another aero club, uh, which is fairly close to our, uh, where we are, and we have helped each other out over the years. So um, they recently had an issue with some uh, staffing, uh, so we um, short-term operated their flying school for them. Uh, and prior to that, we had an issue where our runway was shut down for a couple of months and we couldn't operate, and they allowed us to operate free of charge from their airport. They actually own their airport. Um, so that's been a, a huge help to both organisations, and that's allowed both of us to survive better by by pooling resources and helping each other out. So, uh, you know, if there's a bit more of that going on, I think GA would be a much stronger outfit because of it. That goes back to that connectedness that we were talking about before and an awareness that the whole industry operates as a whole, that, that flight schools can't operate without CFIs or or um, flight schools can't operate without maintenance facilities and, and to support those facilities when and where they can. So will it be, do you think, business as usual eventually or do you think there will be sustained, stronger regulations around hygiene? Yeah, look... Uh, I, I think that there's going to be a psychological holdover from this for a while. I mean, um, already, um, if I'm watching a movie, for example, I see people shake hands and I have this <laughs> visceral feeling that, oh, they shouldn't do that, you know. Um, so um, I think there will be a psychological holdover for a while where people will be very careful about their hygiene. Um, but, you know, putting this in perspective, I think um, 
you know, we've we've existed with standard sort of hygiene procedures for the entirety of the history of aviation uh, on this planet. Um, once this has run its course, um, it would be hard to see how we could continue this, the, the very stringent hygiene procedures that we're holding in place now. For example, you know, you walk into a, into a shopping centre and, and people are spread out um, one to two metres apart in the lines to get to the checkouts. Um, so that would be having a huge um, impact on their profitability as well in the, in the supermarkets. Um, I think eventually we will move back more, you know, very close to what we had prior to this COVID epidemic or pandemic as it is now. But I think that there will be probably uh, for some time to come um, probably uh, a stronger emphasis on, you know, washing hands before and after each flight and that sort of thing. What about um, headset equipment? How will you be viewing that in the future? You know, that, that's a difficult one, I guess. Um, you know, at the moment, uh, before each of our private or solo flights, we're making sure we wash down or you know, wipe down the microphones uh, on all the on the headsets. Um, and they're, you know, they're, that's probably a, one of the strongest sources of infection in an aircraft because it's right up next to somebody's mouth, obviously. Um, so. Yeah, difficult one. I guess um, you know uh, you eventually, could eventually move to a, a full face helmet type setup, um, and that would would help to um, curb any infective sort of um, issues. But um, as I said, I think eventually, after all this is said and done, uh, and there's either a vaccine or the majority of people have been exposed to it and recovered, and there's a natural herd immunity in the community, um, I don't think the need this severe hygiene practice will need to continue. So what over the next few months as CEO of Warnervale Air, are you, are you going to be spending your time doing? What, what, are you, what are you going to be planning? How are you going to move forward in the next few months? And bearing in mind this will go on for a lot longer than that, but specifically in the next few months. Yeah, yeah no, sure. Um, so, look, I'll be working with my staff, our accountant and, and the board um, to monitor the ever-evolving situation that we're in and hopefully come up with a path forward which keeps all of our staff in a job and the Aero Club and the Flying School financially secure enough to continue once this is all just a bad memory for all of us. Um, my initial task, I guess, will be to concentrate on getting these uh, these online courses up and running um, to get some revenue through the door and give our sort of wonderful students an avenue to keep their studies intact as well and to keep the interest up for them so they can attack their flying again once this is all over. And are you having a lot of interest from students to do the study whilst we're effectively grounded? Yeah, we, we have. Um, we have had a lot of interest. Um, I've had a lot of requests for... So we've got a fairly active social media presence on our, on our Facebook page. Um, and over time, we've you know occasionally put up videos, um, just free videos on various um, topics, um, just for student interest. And I've had a lot of requests for us to um, go harder on that side and put up a, you know, a lot of videos. So... Um, People are still asking about doing theory courses, even understanding that, um, that this COVID pandemic's out there. They, they were still want to turn up and do these theory courses. And we've tried to work out how to do that um, with the four square metre rule inside. Um, we are permitted to continue operating through an educational institution, but with the four square metre square meter rule inside, it's very difficult to fit enough people in there, obviously. So um, the, the online theory component is definitely the way to go, and we've had a lot of interest in that. So. So obviously allows us to open up to uh, people outside of our flying school. So if we advertise these theory courses, we may get a broader um, reach as well. 
you were saying before, thinking about thinking entirely outside the box. So you say at your school, it's difficult to enforce that four square meter rule. I'm assuming that your your uh, facility is a, a, a smaller room, and most yeah. clubs wouldn't have access to to great big rooms. Um, yeah. Is there any way that perhaps and and this is just literally me thinking out loud that you can go to the local RSL and say, can we hold lessons here for a little while, or is there um, an opportunity to work with another organisation that does have a larger room that you could hold those educational sessions in? Yeah, yeah sure, absolutely. And this is all sort of um, part of this ever-evolving situation. We've got lots of ideas we're trying to get to. Um, that one is one we have thought of. Um, some places uh, have, and, and to, to be honest, haven't gone too far down the track of, of approaching many people yet. But the issue is that um, some places are wary of allowing these courses to continue uh, in their premises sure. um, uh, because of, for legal reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but it's certainly um, you know uh, a possibility once we can prove our educational credentials, etc. Um, we may be able to do that. Obviously, there's going to be a cost to hire the room. But we don't have to pay when we're at the airport, etc. But that's all can be worked out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely, and that that's you know, like you mentioned, Angela, the connectedness. So um, it's it's that's giving us the ability to forward a bit of income onto another sector of society on the central coast here who's doing it tough, uh, and still allows us to continue with the with the theory courses. So it's something we we will look into. So. Just going to some general questions now, what, what's something that you observed in the industry that you feel was entirely unexpected? I know there's been a few things, or not so much within aviation, but certainly things outside of that where I've gone, oh my God, I did not see that coming. Um, what was it? What was it? A, what what wow, wow moment have you had and why was it a wow yeah. moment? Yeah, look, the obvious one staring us in the face, I guess, is this, is the virus. So, um the, I mean, it's blown me away. I mean, if if you spoke to anyone six months ago, um, no one could ever have predicted the complete devastation that was heading for our economy. I mean, um, I, I certainly never believed this could have happened so quickly across the entirety of our society. Um, so that, that's an obvious one. Apart from that, I mean, there are times when you feel pride in the industry and there are times when you feel disappointment in the industry based on various factors. Um but most of these tend to be like a slow evolution rather than a sudden wow moment, if you know what I mean. Um, so look, people, some people would argue that um, perhaps we need more wow moments in the general aviation industry to get some change to happen. But um, look, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about the GA industry. Um, I know there's a lot of negativity about, out there, but you know it's, it's been quite good to us over the last sort of um, four or five years. Uh, we've shown... Um, fairly big improvements at, at our airport um, and numbers of members and people flying, etc. So um, it's it's certainly, um, it's it's not dire or critical by any means. Um, but, um, yeah, I think the, the main wow moment for the, at the moment is this virus. I'd like to move on to the fact that you're the president of the Central Coast Aero Club and just ask a couple of questions around that. Yeah, um, sure. So in what ways has your aero club been affected? Yeah, well, so we're a bit of a strange setup in that um, the Central Coast Aero Clubs are not for profit organisation. It, it owns the land that um, the buildings and the flying school are located on, um, and it has a subsidiary uh, entity which is the is Warnervale Air, which is the actual flight flight training school. Um, it's all CASA accredited, obviously. 
options as a social component of the operation, so it's less effective financially, uh, although it does rely on some of the income from the flying school to pay some of its overheads. Um, obviously, the ability to meet as a club has disappeared for now, so we'll be looking to send out more electronic newsletters and investigate other methods of keeping our members engaged as much as we can um, until we can get back to the where you know members can come out and spend time at the airport again. So our flying club is having a, a show and tell slide night using Zoom to socially connect. And for those yeah, that don't correct. know, Zoom is an online uh, meeting platform, uh, video yeah. conferencing. So w- what else could aero clubs be doing at the moment to keep their membership engaged and active? Great question. Um, well, so whilst the public perception, perception of aviation is that it's cutting edge, the aero clubs traditionally are pretty well sort of traditional, really, um, as I'm sure you know. So a lot of our membership is from an older d- demographic, uh, although we've had a recent surge of sort of Gen Y and Gen Z members join up. But the older members do sometimes struggle to find the interest or the willpower, to be honest, to participate in modern, modern sort of methods of socialising, such as video conferencing. So that's a bit of a challenge. Um, so we need to address that somehow. We're still at the very start of this thing, so I'll be looking to form a subcommittee of, of club members to address this issue, actually, and, and discover ways that we can keep the membership interacting and enjoying time together without having to be physically co-located. Um, the online theory courses will have a sort of a blog-style section where students can converse and share questions and stories, so we possibly we could set that similar something similar up just for the members in general to communicate with each other on the website. But um, look, Zoom and um, video conferencing is fantastic. You know, we use it in board meetings now at times and um, it's certainly something I'd like to slowly infiltrate into the membership a bit more. Um, But yeah, the the issue we do have is, I mean, we even have some members who um, don't have email at all, some of the older members, so um, it's difficult to get them interested uh, and engaged on on a video conferencing platform. But it's a great idea and, uh, you know, I applaud you for doing it down down where you are, and it's something we need to um, start up a little bit more. Yes, well, our membership is is fairly consistent with what you're saying. It's very traditional and perhaps a lot of older people, and I say that very carefully because I know I'll pay for that one. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, I think this has been the moment that has dragged us kicking and screaming into the 21st century, and uh, it will possibly be, be a good thing, I think, in the long run. And what what yeah. questions would you like to put out to the GA industry as a whole? Well, yeah, look, I guess um, it's difficult when you're in your own little bubble uh, understanding how tough it is for other people out there. I mean, uh, we're doing what we can, and it's certainly difficult for us. Um, but, you know, people can learn from, from others. So I guess I, the questions I would like to ask is, do you feel that your business should be allowed to continue as it is with no restrictions? So there, there's not a huge amount of guidance on that either. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're getting answers anywhere from you can continue exactly as you were through to you should have the doors completely closed. So um, there's not a huge amount of guidance there. Um, CASA has some very general guidelines on their site, but they have, they have not given any guidance to individual operators or the industry as to whether they should still be operating or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, also, do you think uh, another question I'd ask is: Do you feel there is no adverse risk of spreading the virus if you continue with those with sensible precautions? Um, what time frame do you feel would be terminal for your business? I guess if the current federal and state restrictions were to continue, so you know how long how long can the average GA business stay open for uh, or, or viable uh, with the current restrictions that are in place? Um, if we could get a consistent message from the industry. 
government about where they are and how long they can survive for, that might be able to guide some of the um, state and federal uh, members to help out uh, in that regard as well. And then I guess the last one is there's a lot of stimulus packages going out there for for right now, but what type of stimulus could government put in place once we are back to normal operations again in order to boost the sector and ensure a healthy return to normality? And finally, can you find something amazing or wonderful in this situation? What opportunity for the GA industry presents itself right now as a result of this pandemic? Yeah, um, as I think I said earlier, there's, there are silver linings to these things, I believe. Um, uh, look, just from a personal standpoint, I was driving back from the airport a couple of days ago and I was really struck by the amount of families walking around with their kids and the dog um, having their afternoon exercise, which is entirely uh, permissible uh, still at this stage. Um, but it was good to see them I and it looked a much more of a community environment. Um, uh, there's also, I've noticed, a lot less partisan squabbling amongst the major parties. Mm-hmm. Liberal and Labor tend to be backing each other up uh, with their uh, policies. Um, there's almost, seems to be almost no arguing amongst the major parties, uh, which is almost unprecedented. So this thing is bringing us all closer together. So it's really given us all a chance to slow down our hectic lives and, and uh, hectic lives and think about what's really important to us. Mm. And the, the efficiencies gained by operators right now will no doubt remain after the pandemic's run its course. And mm. operators will perhaps concentrate on aspects of the business which are more important to them and perhaps dispense with the inefficient or unloved parts of their business maybe which don't contribute to good outcomes for their clients and, and or members. So I guess whilst we wouldn't wish this situation on anybody, um, I have no doubt at all there will, there will be good aspects to this once it's all said and done and the way we change our lives a little bit. Andrew, that has been an amazing discussion. Thank you so much for your insights. Um, The questions that you've raised, I will put those up in the comments section for people to discuss. So basically, thanks so much for your time today and stay safe in this weird world. Yeah, thank you, Angela. Uh, Absolutely fine and happy to talk to you. And that was Andrew Smith, Managing Director of Warnervale Air and President of the Central Coast Aero Club. So it's over to you now. The questions Andrew has posed are, do you as an organisation think that you should be allowed to continue as is with no restrictions? What about your duty of care to students and instructors? What time frame is terminal for your business if restrictions don't change? And as an industry participant, should you be letting your MP know? What if we all did that? What type of stimulus would help when things begin to normalise? Will the industry need it more then than now? And my bonus question to you is regarding the fragile nature of the GA industry. Pre-COVID-19, it was already considered fragile. Do you agree? In what ways beyond what Andrew and I have discussed today, is that so or not so? And how can we as an industry rise from the ashes to be ultimately more resilient? As I mentioned before, next week I will be interviewing Michael Monk, CEO of RAOZ. His particular area of interest is, of course, recreational aviation, an industry in itself. In the meantime, I'd like to remind you that there's one air show that hasn't been cancelled. An entirely new concept from Paul Bennett Air Shows has emerged from the COVID-19 carnage. Talk about thinking outside the aerobatic box. 
To save you from airshow withdrawal symptoms and absolute av geek boredom, Paul is live streaming a crowdless airshow at 10am Eastern Standard Time, Saturday 2nd of May. For just $10, your whole family can watch from the comfort of your own couch. No need to worry about crick necks or the guy with that annoying hat in front of you. Get your live stream pass at live.paulbennettairshows.com.au. This has been Grounded, a podcast for rightspeakfly.com. I'm Angela Stevenson. Thanks for listening. And never forget how lucky we are to be in this industry. Spread your wings and spread the joy of aviation.